Blog Talk Radio. How are you tonight, Laura? Every week, I think we have the music completely fixed, and there's always one more little glitch. <laughs> it just runs too long. We need to shut it off. Well, we did. Anyway, it's a long story. We'll trim it again. We'll see how it goes. Well, anyway, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Give us the update on the Dream House. Oh, I don't know the numbers because... We've secretly refinanced the loan, so we have about 20 more days than we would have had, but I'm not telling oh, the builder. Oh, but you're not telling the builder. No, I'm not telling him because he's... And he's, he's not a fan it. of the podcast, huh? He's not no, listening to you every listens. week. I think I'm safe. <laughs> Let's see, we were 41 last week, so I don't know. I'm guessing about 60 days, but he thinks it's 41 minus 7, whatever that number is, so... That is so smart. Yeah. Well, the rates went down, so we decided to refinance, but we didn't mention it. Yeah. Anyway, it's moving along. Definite progress this week, so that was good. Well, good. Mm -hmm. Good. Maybe I'll get to run by in the next 10 days or so. Okay. All right. Let me go ahead and give some other announcements. If you have emailed me in the last 10 days and I have not responded to you, it's likely because I have not gotten the email. I'm typically fairly good about responding, so um, the web hosting company is looking at that. But in the meantime, if you'll just leave me a comment on the website, um, I will see your message there. And if it's a confidential message, I will not... Of course, publish it, and just another note on on that. Sometimes people will send the same message message three or four times because it doesn't automatically pop up. We have to moderate all comments on there because otherwise the site would be overrun with spam like um, ads for Viagra and Cialis and (laughs) all kinds of pornographic stuff, and you just wouldn't believe all of the spam that we get every day. So every comment has to be approved. So if you don't see your comment right away, it's because I'm not sitting at the computer looking at them as they come in. So usually it takes, sometimes it takes a day, but usually it's more likely um, if you send it in the morning, it gets approved that night, or if you send it at night, it gets approved the next morning. I try to look at that at least a couple of times a day. So if you've had difficulty contacting me by email, it's I'm not ignoring you, so just try to leave a comment on the website. Okay, announcement number two, we don't have complete finalized dates and locations, but for the upcoming cities, we're going to start the last week in April and work myself silly through June. And so the places we're going in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Knoxville, Nashville, possibly Johnson City, uh, first week in May in Georgia, Atlanta, Macon, possibly Augusta. We're going to be in West Virginia in May and probably Virginia in May as well, and then hopefully Lexington, Kentucky sometime um, after that. But the dates, as I'm saying that, (laughs) I'm realizing that I might have, the cities are right, but the dates, I might have even said the months wrong. So sorry about that, but that's all going to be out on the website 
as soon as we finalize those last details. Sorry, honey. Okay, Johnny's getting a little bit upset because I didn't say it the right way. Okay, update on the book. Um, people have asked if there would be a coupon like last time when Teach Me to Play With You came out. I did a special pre-sale coupon. Yes, I will do that again, but only it's not going to be announced on the website. It's only going to be if you are on my email list, and the email list uh, consists of anybody who's attended a conference. And so if you attended a conference and did not write your email on there, you're probably not on that list. So just send me um, send me an email about that, and you'll be able to get on that list and get notified of the uh, coupon that's kind of the during the pre-sale period for the book. And, Kate, I've not told you this announcement, and I've been meaning to tell you this all week. We have several friends of ours in Louisville who are – colleagues of ours in different disciplines who want to be on the podcast, who want oh, to do a show with good, us. good. I know, and they're working on different topics, and I have been uh, messaging them back and forth about some possible topics. We have a physical therapist who wants to be on, a psychologist who wants to be on, and a couple of different OTs. So I'm very excited about that, and hopefully we can have those shows um, we'll get announcements out about that, but I knew you would like that because that's always a lot of fun for us. It is, and um, you know, I always learn some, garner some new information that you know I think I know everything, but it turns out I don't. I always learn some new stuff from this, <laughs> those other disciplines, so that's great. I'm very excited about that, and so if, even if you have possible topics that you want them to talk about, um, let's be sure that we're discussing those because the. Uh, they're going to need some, probably some additional direction, but they want to do it, and I'm so excited about that. So if you have great. some great, great topics, that would be great as well. Okay, we're supposed to have a caller tonight, but I don't think she's here yet. So we are just going to go ahead and start with this series of emails that she sent to me about a little boy that she works with. This therapist's name is Brooke, and she's a developmental therapist in Indiana, and she does Kate's job, which is her background, I'm sure, is in education probably. And so she works with children and also targets communication like Kate does. And so she attended my conference in Evansville last September, and so that's uh, how we connected, and she's she's written me this email a couple of weeks ago. She says, Hi, Laura. I'm a DT in southern Indiana. I attended your Evansville conference in September and bought your book, Teach Me to Play With You. I use it all the time. I need help, though. I have a child I see that's two and a half. He has no words. He has sensory processing disorder, which he was just diagnosed. His mom and I both know that he's autistic, too, but when he was evaluated, they said, uh, maybe autism, but too young to tell. Let's stick with sensory processing disorder right now. And she says, when I go down the list on your website, the answer is yes to almost all the signs for autism. And I think she's talking about one of those articles that has lots and lots of characteristics listed. And, again, it's not a full diagnostic list. It's just gleaned from lots of sources from things that parents typically note in their children. So I think that's what she's meaning. She said, I've been working on getting him to sign for months now. He does not want me to touch him, but he loves when mom and dad touch him. He doesn't really like any candy cookies or snacks. Bummer. That kind of takes a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of choices for activities out, don't you think, when they don't like to eat? It does. Those are usually, well, I always tell parents it's either great or horrible. sounds like he doesn't like them, so it's just 
he couldn't care less about it. He, yeah, he's a, probably a picky eater mm-hmm. all day. She said he doesn't like toys because he can't play with them. He does not sit. He wanders around his house and he screams if you try to stop him. So, boy, that sounds like a pretty tough little guy to try to engage because he doesn't seem to want to play with people or toys or eat. So she's basically sending a 911, like, what the heck would you do with him that hour that I'm there every week? She said the positives, he likes bubbles and responds. He loves books, and he sits and turns the pages for a long time. He has a parachute swing. Uh, that he loves to sit in, and he also loves to drink out of a straw, and then she says he loves Veggie Tales, and that's a DVD series that has some uh, Christian-based themes, but it's cartoons. It's That's kind of a cute little um, DVD series. I'm repeating myself. Okay, she says, any advice you can give me? I listen to the podcast, and I try my best to be fun, to ratchet it up a notch, and then she says, I also know I need your DVDs, but I can't get them right now. I have suggested that his parents get them. Also, just so you know, he was a baby Einstein baby. The parents let him watch it all the time. They had no idea. So she, then she closes. So that was the first email I got from her. So I wrote her back and gave her some additional ideas of things that I would try with him. Uh, and so let's just start to talk about some of those. I do hope she calls in. I wonder if she realizes there's a time difference between Louisville and Evansville. I probably should have mentioned that to her. What do you think? Oh shoot, I didn't. I don't know that I realized it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know I why I'm thinking of that? In Indiana, either. What's that? Well, we had people that when they came from Evansville to the Louisville conference, that that the whole time difference thing. You know, they were. Yeah, and then when people drove from Kentucky to the Evansville conference, they were there way early. <laughs> so I remember that happening, and I'm wondering if that might have happened with her. or Who knows? I mean, any any emergency could have come up. But anyway, let's just go ahead. I'm glad we have the responses so we can talk about um, talk about those things. And let's just say, too, that this is a pretty common scenario where you have to really kind of think – and I love that she gave us some things that he likes as well as some stuff that he doesn't like because that really kind of helps you plan and come up with some other things that we might have included some things that we could rule out based on what he doesn't like. But then she did give us some good ideas with things that are strengths for him as well. So <laughs> what I told her What I try to do is figure out what he does like to do and then find things that are really similar to that so that you work on expanding the repertoire. And now I think she might be on. Brooke, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. Yay! I was listening because I didn't – I was wanting to wait and hear what you had to say, but that's fine. I called now. (laughs) Hi, Brooke. (laughs) Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm doing fine. I just wonder. I'm excited to be finding out things for Noah today because even though um, Laura gave me a lot of ideas, I I need more. (laughs) Okay, well, we will put our collective heads together and try and get you some ideas. I just wondered. um, I used to do developmental therapy in, you know, like Clark County and Floyd County, right across the river from Louisville. And at that point, they were very scarce um, with speech therapists. Do you see kids? kind of playing speech therapist or 
in um, Evansville. Almost every, every child I see needs speech therapy, and I have 10 on my caseload right now. So, And are they yeah, getting you so, And they actually called me, they call me a speech therapist instead of a DP. So. All the time, I know. My <laughs> rule is you. I correct them three times, and then I just let it go. <laughs> yeah, I do that. <laughs> I do that also. I'm not actually a speech therapist. And then they turn around and say, the speech therapist is here. I've got to go. And I think, yeah, oh, well. That's exactly so you, how you it do, is. in fact, see them kind of as the, instead of a speech therapist oftentimes. That's is right, that right, because there isn't, there isn't enough. There's, right. there's actually one in my county, one speech therapist, and she's, of course, full. So right. it's Boy, that's me really and scary. a few other DPs. So, hmm, okay. Need help. But that's... <laughs> But that is okay. so great that you can fill the gap. And lots of speech pathologists get pretty territorial about another discipline working on speech, but I don't feel that way and have never, ever felt that way in my whole career because these kids have to have something. And especially from DTs who, like Kate, have spent their whole careers doing speech, even though you didn't get that formal training, you learn pretty quickly what strategies will be most successful, and then you right. came to the conference in Evansville, so you're kind of going beyond that, I think, Brooke. Right. With I think attending the conference was the greatest thing because I left there just filled with so many ideas that things I wasn't doing that I didn't know that I needed to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm a mom, but my kids didn't need that. You know, they didn't need that right. extra, extra help, so right. It was really a good thing. I felt like my career started over after I attended the conference, actually. Aww. Aww. That really made me tear up today. And I actually was one of them that got there an hour early. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> so you you know uh, firsthand about that time change, huh? Well, let me ask yeah, you this, Yeah, I figured that out. Do you, how long have you been a developmental therapist? Actually, just since last April, so not even okay. a year. Okay. And let me say, so you're still brand new. Pretty, I'm new. pretty I'm a new. Baby. But you're a mom, and so you've had some certainly experience with young children. Um, right. A couple of things. One is this child that you're referring to. Uh, for the record, he's hard. He would give every one of us a run for our money because he's mm-hmm. very restricted in mm-hmm. what he likes and very specific about what he doesn't like, <laughs> which right. is a lot of things. It sounds like. And also, let me say, because I can say it because I'm not a speech therapist, um, whether you're a speech therapist or not, I I could firsthand name lots of real-life speech therapists who wouldn't really have a clue what to do with this guy, and they would stick with their time-tested things that may work with a less challenging child and would not work with this child. So, you know, this this child would be a challenge for for everybody, certainly – a huge challenge for people who aren't necessarily willing to try and troubleshoot and figure out what's going to work because he's right, hard. Right. Yeah. I started with Noah in November, so okay. I was using the book. You know, I was trying, trying the signs, trying the snacks, trying to be fun. You know, all the things that I had just learned, and there was, you know, he did. He didn't know I was there. So it was yeah. taking a lot. Now he actually knows when I walk in the door. He comes towards me. You know, he's interested just for that little bit of time, but he's still, you know, is just he's just not aware of what's going on. Except for you know, with his mom and him. dad. So Yeah. What's Are that? you treating him in a 
in a big space, Brooke, like in the main living area, is it a really big space where he kind of just... It is. It's kind of like where um, the, the living room and the dining room are attached and there's an an open area, you know. Um, yeah. So he can wander there. And I was thinking about the little boy that you showed us where he was kind of in the closet. Mm-hmm. But that we just don't, I don't have that space there. I don't, in his bedroom, there's too much. You know, I did try it yeah. in there one day, and, and he doesn't like that trapped feeling either. He he right. was climbing over me, trying to get out. You right. Know, so, I don't know. You know, what you might do is, with the furniture arrangement, kind of, I don't, I don't know if they have all their furniture put against the wall, but sometimes mm-hmm. what I'll try to do is put, the kid and me, even between the couch and the wall. You know what I mean? Sometimes if there's a space or something so that you can, again, not lock him in anywhere because some kids Mm -hmm. do get go into fight or flight when they feel like they're restricted like that. But if you could get the space a little bit smaller. I know, Kate, you had a kid that you sort of worked with in a hallway, if I remember, last year uh, for that very reason because he was a roamer, and those kids really are hard um, because they're always kind of looking for that next thing to do rather than playing with you. So that's one thing that I don't think I wrote in the email um, the emails okay. that we've had back and forth about him is, and you, it might not be doable, but if you'll go in and talk with mom about that and say, how do you, you know, how do you think we could do it where we could even just by scooting this chair this way or flipping the couch mm-hmm. this way, you know, and some parents uh-huh. are up for that, and some parents that would be, you know, a deal breaker, and they would think, mm-hmm. no way am I going to rearrange my furniture for you today, lady, or ever. Yeah, yeah. But, even though yeah, they would be willing, yeah, I think they would. They actually moved a table this week for me, so I was like, so I think they'll do anything to help him. Right. So, even um, if you, I've used, and it's not a true barrier, but I, I think that these roaming kids, they're wandering, they're, you know, they just kind of aimlessly move, 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 move. I think what oftentimes happens with them is they just get very overstimulated with the high ceilings and the everything they're seeing visually. And they're pretty satisfied and with that. And if mm-hmm. I've used even a corner of a room, even if it's just you know right. two walls coming together. And if you're mm-hmm. like us, you take a lot of um, stuff with you, <laughs> a lot of toys. Um, I use yeah. a big yeah. duffel bag, and I might use that like you have your corner, and then put your duffel bag off of one wall, so that kind of blocks mm-hmm. off that with that. And then you sit at the open side, and I'll oftentimes mm-hmm. sit with my leg kind of stretched out and. Could he get out? Yes, he could, but it does really kind of encourage. It's not going to be 100%, but if you start, you know, I just march right in, and I love when my kids get in for, for you know, depends how how delayed a child is. Some kids get it the first week, and other kids take a couple months, but I love when I've reached the point where I come in and they go right to our spot. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. it may be the middle of the room. It may be the corner. If with him, he probably is going to do better if you can restrict in some way, one, the wandering, and two, just all the visual stuff that he's taking in when he's wandering. Because those kids, okay. it's like they're, they have no fill line. You know, they just keep more and more and more and more and more. And if wandering around the room is more fascinating than anything you can do, that's that's a losing battle. You know, so mm-hmm. you got to yeah. right. stay still for you, first off. So even a corner would be better than just trying to 
you know, settle him in the middle, which it sounds like where he's been, kind of in the middle of the open range, you know. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. A range that he loves to wander. Yeah. Yes. And since he knows you better now and kind of knows what to expect, even moving a table over to a little portion of the room, even if you don't use the table other than anything as a barrier, it might go a little bit better now than if you had started that at the beginning because he's more familiar with you now and more open to you playing with him. So um, that, that, that's a great idea. That's certainly something I would try to do right away. <coughs> okay, let's talk about some of his things that he likes. And you told us that he likes bubbles. Have you had any other success with some of those other ideas that that we talked about in email? Um, actually, this week, um, I had already tried the the game that you have in your book, I, the Boom Game, you know. I had tried yeah. that early, and um, this week his dad was actually there, and we moved the table out, and he loves his daddy. <laughs> you know, he, he wants to be with uh-huh. his daddy. He wants his daddy to hold him. He wants his daddy to hug him. And so I, I kind of I got his dad on one side and then him on the other, and I taught his dad this game. It was amazing. And um, that worked. He he looked up at his dad, and his dad is awesome. I know that not all dads are right there like that. Oh, but that's he so really, great. He, he did it, and I was just like, yes, 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 you know. And I, I told them, you know, as much as they can to do that with him and to get him focusing and that eye contact. And so right. I really felt better about that. Um, Good. And then I have a big parachute that I took in because we had done it, like, back when I started, and he really liked it then, so I took the parachute back out. It's not huge, but it's like a five-foot, and him and him and his dad kind of, and I, you know, he ran under the parachute while we would lift it up and come down, and he he was jumping and actually laughing and having a good Yay. time with that. So, so that was two really positives, you know, that I felt like, Helped a lot, um, and he does right. have like the ball a ball game with the air the air popper ball thing that co- goes in and out. Uh-huh. And he actually this week was putting the balls back, so that was a great things. You know, I, I just was excited when I left there, and I hadn't felt that way for months. So the other things that you suggested, I just haven't had a chance. I actually. Right. It's a target, but I couldn't find some of the things there, so just going to keep looking. I suggested for them to look also. Good. And that's what I was going to say. You know, lots of times therapists will email me or they'll get the book or they'll see on the DVD or go to a conference and they'll think, okay, I liked those ten different toys. And then they start to locate them and they can't locate them or they can't always afford it or whatever, but suggest to his parents and say, you know, these are, because he is visual and he likes seeing the big parachute float up and down and he likes bubbles, these are some other toys that you might be able to pick up for him or that you might find or your neighbor might have or grandma might go and buy. So I would pass some of those suggestions along to see if they can help you locate some of those other toys. Other ideas that are similar to bubbles that I use, and I know Kate uses too, I use balloons with kids that like bubbles because it's the same kind of visual interest. The only thing would be is if he were scared of either the texture or the noise. Sometimes, even when you're blowing, you don't think you're that noisy, but sometimes that that 
is alarming to children with sensory issues, but balloons I think would be a pretty fun thing. And those are cheap, and you can find those almost anywhere. Kate, you use balloons all the time too, don't you? I certainly do. And typically it is, a you know, almost 100% kids who like bubbles also like balloons. The the one another caveat to the balloons is I tend to let them fly around the room and that can freak out kids sometimes. Yeah. So if you you, you need to do that lightly to see mm, how's he going to respond. It never fails that the ones who are ma- most paranoid it comes back and shoots them. You know, <laughs> the balloon gets Hits them. Hits them right in the face. Yeah. yeah it's going to be a couple months <laughs> before that kid will get near a balloon. But um, most kids like when they you, you let them go, and I usually pair it with fly or go. You know, and I try and shoot it out and let it go away from them and not towards them. But they do sometimes change their course and come back towards the child. I've freaked out a couple kids with that. But, yeah, bubbles, I mean, balloons are almost guaranteed. If he's a bubble kid, he'll like balloons. I use, I'm lazy. I don't really like to blow them up with my mouth, so I use the little $3 blower that you can get at Walmart or Target and use, use that, and I kind of make that. You know, I'll, I, first I show them, and then I try and get them to put it on, and I always give them an opportunity to pump it, which they really can't do typically. Certainly um, a little guy who doesn't tend to do a lot of stuff fine motor-wise probably couldn't do it. But that's okay. I mean, that that's a reason for him to need my help, and I always kind of like when things are a little beyond their capabilities so that they need me. <laughs> if he could do mm-hmm. it all by himself, that's probably that would be his choice. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. right. I use I use the pump um, because it's easy on me, and I kind of like that it makes it a little bit more difficult for them. And I'm always kind of a little leery of kids trying to blow up bubbles or balloons with their mouths and everything. So that's my but way. But I'm out. not leery about that at all. I let yeah. kids try to blow, and usually I'll give them their own balloon. Especially if mom and I are sitting right there, and I know some mothers listening right now are probably having a heart attack thinking about their toddlers with a balloon in their mouth. (laughs) Um, But that whole even imitating the blowing or trying to do that, for some kids that's a really big deal. Sometimes that's the first action that I see them try to imitate that I've done. Right. And that's a real important precursor to being able to imitate words is imitating movements with their mouths or even a blow so that's um don't necessarily be discouraged by that i have i've had one child with a latex allergy in my whole career that uh, i really let handle a balloon and we didn't realize she had a latex allergy until grandma and i look over at her and she's breaking out in hives right before our very eyes (laughs) but that usually uh would be hopefully few and far between so otherwise I i would definitely try some balloons with him other kinds of things that are visual toys that kids that like bubbles usually like or any kind of toy that moves and i call those launcher toys and I wrote about these in um, the email to you, but like the rockets that you can get in the birthday party aisle, those are a real fun thing to do. Kate, you've used those before, haven't you? You mean the like foamy things where you pop uh-huh. them? And, yes. Yeah. Yeah, those are fun. Any kind of launcher toy like that. Kate and I both have this set of Hot Wheels motorcycles, too, that's always a pretty big hit with little boys. Oh, yeah. And that's... 
Yeah, pretty cheap. You can get that usually at Kroger or Toys R Us. I've bought them at Kroger for a long time, but it's two motorcycles, and they go on, and they have, there's a little lever, and you pull it, and then the motorcycles both race off. And that's fun because the kids who like to roam and who need that extra movement generally enjoy chasing those darn motorcycles. And then they want to do it again, so they bring them after they've spun the wheels a time or two. So then they bring the motorcycles back, or you can usually get them in the habit of following that command. So that's another winner as far as um, kind of a lot of bang for your buck because you've got your movement component in there, you've got your visual component, and then they have to follow directions with that and initiate that communication with you by bringing it back and then letting you help them do it again. So that's another fun thing. Another cheaper alternative are those small rubber bouncy balls. And again, a lot of parents don't like those because some kids will automatically try to put things in their mouths. He's a mouther too, isn't he? Yes, Brooke? he is. Everything because okay. of the mouth. <laughs> well, you may not want to use one really small. Yeah, Kate, I, you ever use those I have some bigger ones that I could take, you know, to see if he yeah. he would bounce them or if he would like that to watch them bouncing and. Yeah, and they're more. They're, those are more fun if it's not carpeted. So sometimes I might even play with those in an entry hall that might not have a carpet like the rest of the house would. And I have had good luck with my kids on the spectrum who really didn't want to play with me and using those balls as a way to kind of bring them back when they were roaming and were kind of getting away from me. You start bouncing those little balls, especially if you have more than one and you bounce one and mom or dad bounce one too because those are pretty visually exciting. But get it big enough so that you're not going to panic every time he... (laughs) might try to put it in his mouth or or mom panic. So that's an idea. Another kind of visual thing with balls, a beach ball or a soccer ball, sometimes that black and white pattern of rolling is enticing and engaging to some children, but it is very boring just to expect mm-hmm. a two-year-old like him to be able to sit down and roll that ball back and forth with you and, mm-hmm. you know, that lasts more than a minute or two. So I would kick it and I would bounce it and I would again you know not destroy their home or break their furniture or anything but you can also use that as kind of an in-between movement activity where he needs to be up moving you still want to be engaged with him but that might be something fun to kind of get his attention and again that's not that would not be a go-to game for every kid on my caseload it would just be for using with a kid like him that needs the movement component and obviously it's going to try to roam and kind of get away from you anyway, so I would introduce those balls when he's kind of moving away from you as a way to sort of bring him back and still um, have you included. Paper airplanes are a big hit with kids like this sometimes. If he'll notice it, some kids aren't aware enough or with you enough to notice paper airplanes when um, when you're using those. Any other visual toys that you can think of, Kate, that might have that movement component or just... Uh, that you want to add to give her some different ideas? Um, well, one thing I've found with kids who appear to me to be, um, you know, have some spectrum tendencies is with balls. A lot of times I'll take them up the wall and I'll do up, 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 right along the wall. And it seems like they, you know, a lot of these kids don't necessarily have, just like you said, Laura, you can lose them on the airplanes. A lot of times... Right. You notice when you start doing stuff with this age and with kids, you know, with these issues, 
they don't track things well at all. I mean, you know, say the elephant game where the butterflies fly out. I can't mm-hmm. even sometimes get them to notice they're coming out. I mean, right. other kids get mm-hmm. it immediately, and other kids, I mean, others, yeah. I'm like, look, look, and they're, they don't, if they look, they miss it, you know. So, anyway, there must be something to, if you do it on the I wall. Was actually, I was actually going to take the elephant game this week, and um, I was letting my, my little nephew play with it, and he's um, he'll be two this month, and he, he doesn't have any problem, any delays right now, Um but the 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 trunk of the elephant is so tall that yeah. I think I'm going to uh-huh. cut it. I, I, I Don't just cut it too my, much. Someone I did said that cut it. it. Didn't work oh, okay. Either. Don't cut it too much. One thing I would cut it, Brooke. Okay. Don't alter well. the toy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had one that that you know they get cooked in the trunk after a long time, and mine kind of split along the crease, and I cut it oh, off. Okay, so I'm glad I, I said that because it, well. he was so short that he like didn't even couldn't look really up look up to see it right. That is kind of a bad thing. I mean, elephant's a cool toy, but that can but be. But then a problem. I thought, you know, just making a loud noise, clapping my hands, or standing up there and mm-hmm. really trying to get his attention that that get him to look up. One thing I've done with elephant is taking the nose off and just put them in and let them fly yeah, out. Yeah, we did that. We yeah. did that with with my with my little nephew the other day. So uh-huh. that that's definitely something probably that's have to a do lot with harder Noah. to miss. I mean, they they catch that, and if you can get them to put their little face down there the way you show them to do, they tend to uh-huh. like it because it's you know flying in their face. Anyway, try the balls on the wall. One thing it kind of pulls them to you, and it's less. I mean, it's kind of encouraging them to engage with you. And for some reason, I can't tell you exactly why, but those kids tend to really like that on-the-wall thing and be real dramatic about up, 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 and get it up pretty high. Hesitate, hesitate. You know, at, at the very least, it would be great if you could get them to look at you once you've shown him a time or two that down means you're going to drop that ball against that wall. And they that really can be a grabber. They, you know, and... You know, everything you're doing with this guy at this point is still really geared towards how do you get him to connect with you? How do you get him to engage Uh with you? How do you get him to let you touch him a little bit more? How do you, you know, because he's still very disconnected. My next question I didn't get to ask was um, that all those parents are very very on board and involved. They they ask, or they still say, he's just going to snap out of it. I know he's just going to snap out of it. And I haven't commented on that yet, you know, because I I know he's he's not. But, right. Um, you know, they very I walk much a fine line is. with that. I just walk a fine line with that because you don't want them to feel like you're a dream killer when you're there. Uh-huh. And at the same time, you have to still balance being realistic with not taking all their hope away. Right. And so right. I try to Which stay I with that. I just kind of go along with it, and I hope he does. You know, I don't really say anything. Yeah. But I, you know what tough. I would probably say as he gets closer and closer to three is, oh gosh, I wish I wish that would happen too. But my experience has been that this might be a long term issue. And again, you're going to want to say it with empathy in your voice and with. Mm-hmm. Complete compassion, because that is just going to feel like to them that you've slapped them in the face (laughs) when you say that. But at the same time, you know, you might really want to, especially as he marches toward three, Brooke, when you're going to be done with him and he's going to be moving on, and really saying 
gosh, I wish that would happen, but I'm really afraid this might be something you're going to deal with for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's going to take them some time to process that. You know, they may give you an emotional reaction right away or might go right into the next thing. But I do think you you can say it in a way that it's truthful, you're still mm-hmm. hopeful, but that you're being a little bit more realistic with, mm-hmm. um, right, right. with that kind of that kind of message, but you do want to watch your tone when you're talking about that because you never want them to feel like you don't think there's any hope for him. Otherwise, why would you go every week? You know, right, right, right. So but they, they are being, they are awesome with him, and they they right they totally are wanting to do everything they can to help, which is so great. Right. They, that's exactly what he needs. You know. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Let's go back to the parachute. Will he do peekaboo with you? Have you tried peekaboo with that parachute? Mm, he just stayed under there. I would do peekaboo with you on one side and dad or mom on the other and, you know, just do it where peekaboo becomes about the big parachute going way up in the air and then coming back down yeah. because that might be a yeah. way to transition peekaboo to a blanket or a smaller thing. I think you said he has a um he has a piece of lycra too that he likes, right? A lycra swing. Yeah, he has a swing that he, he loves and I actually <laughs> kind of worked with him in the swing a little bit just because he was wanting in there. And he, he will yeah. go and just pull on that when he wants in, which is kind of the first thing I've seen him show, you know, that Initiate, he's showing what yeah. he wants. Yeah. So he does really like that. You know, um, that, can have actually, you tried? I'm sorry, go ahead. He can actually. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Laura? Brooke, are you there? Oh, no. Did she get disconnected? Kind of sounded like maybe she did. I kind of did. She's back. Is it muted by chance? Okay, she the, we lost the connection. She'll probably call back. What I was going to say is, you know, she's tried signing for a long time, but I would still try signing with a movement activity like this or with the swing or something that he really likes because some kids who don't like food and don't really like toys do tend to respond to those movement activities and so uh, with signs, and he, he right. may not be ready to sign yet. He may not have the prerequisites of using any kind of gesture like clapping. If he's not a clapper, if he if he's not waving, if he's not doing any other kind of functional gesture, he is not developmentally ready to sign yet. And so she should work on those little things as prerequisites. And she came to the conference, and we spend a lot of time talking about prerequisites for signing in the conferences. So when she, if she comes back on, we'll ask her if he can clap. And if he can't clap, then I would tell her, move on from signs because he is, he's not going to be ready if he doesn't have any other little gesture. You know, that tells us that cognitively he's just not there yet. He doesn't understand um, that he can do something to get something. I think she's back now. Are you there, Brooke? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Can he clap? Does he clap? No. (laughs) He has brought his hands together like he was going to, like under the parachute the other day. Um, Uh I thought he was going to clap, like he started to, but he didn't. Yeah. 
Well, maybe he's getting close to that. So that might be a goal for him, for you to really get him to imitate you clapping. And, you know, just like we talked about in the conference, there are prerequisites for signing. Some kids just aren't developmentally there yet. And so until he's doing some some gesturing like clapping or pointing is usually pretty hard, but waving bye-bye, giving you five, doing some of those little games. I've been working on five for a long time, too, and he just hasn't, you know. I mean, He doesn't get it. I constantly, and his mom and dad are constantly since November, <laughs> give me five. And it's he won't do it with minute, them either. You know, yeah, no. What does he do when you reach out and take his hand to make him give you five? Does he resist he cry, that? Or he he just usually cries. Yeah. He usually cries and jerks back. Yeah, he resists it. Yeah. Will he imitate something like knocking on the wall or hitting, um, like if you, like with Abim, did he try to? Yeah, yeah, he did do that. He did, he hit Good. the table, you know. Once he, if he liked Abim a lot and he said that he did, I would make clapping part of that. So do your Abim and then immediately go into yay mm-hmm. after, you know, you've done it two or three times and see if you can shape that behavior with really liking that game and imitating smacking the table to moving on and clapping. See if you can kind of chain that. That's, okay, wait, that's wait, wait. I, I know I read that. it in your book, Laura, but I don't really use a boom, so remind me what that is. It's just <laughs> a game where um, I hold my hands up and go, or I start my hands kind of down and go, ah, and, you know, bring my hands up over my head as I'm saying that and raising my voice, and then boom, and slap my hands down on a table or a bed or the couch or the floor or anything like that. And it is simple enough that it is the most consistent attention getter that I've ever used with kids who are um, really, really socially impaired. For some reason, just that sound of your voice is kind of weird when you're doing, ah, you know, it's pretty novel. And then the boom part, you know how much kids like boom. Yeah, I mean, I could see where I think I've done it, I guess. It might have been a while. I use boom a lot, but I don't use anything quite that simple with ah, boom. And I could see where, particularly if you were pounding something hard, that would be a real, you know, the bed, I don't know, but the floor, the table, anything that's going to boom, they could really like that. <laughs> yeah, I had tried I, it with another. I tried it with another kid and it didn't work, so I didn't do it again because I felt really stupid. <laughs> and then, I, like I think Noah's brought me to my breaking point because I, I was like, I'll try anything, and it worked. So, <laughs> it, you know, when it now. has worked, it's been my kids that are most significantly impaired because uh-huh. it is very, very, very. Simple. And sometimes when it doesn't work with the kid, Brooke, it's not you, it's the kid. And you have to do it enough times for them to even recognize it and right. realize that it's fun and funny. Sometimes that takes, no kidding, ten times before a kid is even ready to alert to that. And so I know what you mean by feeling stupid and feeling like, oh, no, that was a dud. Yeah. But at the yeah, same time, was... don't mm-hmm. don't let that necessarily deter you from trying it, even with that same kid, even 
right after that or consecutively after that because sometimes you really do have to do something five, six, seven, eight times before you'll even start to get a little hint of a twinkle in their eyes. And it just takes that long for them to process it and for them to think that it's funny. So I hardly ever stop with anything after the first time or two, but that's just something that I've learned. And I've gotten really comfortable with things seeming to fail. I mean, that doesn't really bother me anymore. But that comes with time and with practice and with experience, and you just thinking, okay, he hasn't processed that yet. Let me try it again. Let me ratchet it up. Let me make it a little more fun, or let me just do it enough times for him to recognize it and think it's funny. Um, and again, not every kid's going to respond to that, but I'm I'm sitting here in my mind thinking of all the kids that I've used that little game with. And they were the kids that were most difficult to reach. But on some level, again, that's simple enough and novel enough that they kind of tune into that. So I'm glad that was a winner for you, uh, for him. And when I'm saying the bed, Kate, I had one little guy that I used to talk about all the time, Zachary, and I had to play with him in his bedroom. And he would be on one side of the bed and I would be on the other side of the bed. And that's where, you know, when you've got them on the other side of some kind of surface like that, that's a real fun way to... Yeah, to play that. I could see that, and in that case, I think I might even try sticking something on the bed—tissue or cotton balls or ping pong balls or super balls or something, something to boom. that, that yeah. would fly up when you boomed it. Yeah, because that'd be a real visual catch. If they saw balls flying or tissue flying or something, they'd probably really like yeah. it. But, and I totally agree with your point, Laura. And it may be, Brooke, that it's not even just six or eight times that session, but week after week after week. Some kids, you just have to build that familiarity and that predictability that until then, that's when they think it's funny. And it can Mm be hard. I remember years ago when I, I mean, you've been doing this a little while, but not too long. It is really hard when, I mean, we'd love to have the parents there, but here you are, you're kind of performing and it's like you just told your best joke and nobody laughed, you know. I mean, you're sitting there kind of thinking, oh, no, that was a dud. And you just kind of have to, you know, steel yourself against that feeling of, oh, I missed on that one, and try it again, try it again. And then next week, try it again. Because so many of those kids, if you just go with the one-hit wonders with things that work automatically, one, it's hard to build from there, and two, it can be so few things that in an hour, you know, even if it is a total hit, you might get five minutes out of it. That leaves 55 more minutes of failing, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a long hour if you have, you know, so one, it does frankly give you something to do, but two, oftentimes it really takes that much repetition for them to, to absorb or appreciate what you're doing in the first place and to make it familiar enough that they go, oh, she's doing that game again. I do get it, and I do like it. I mean, I think of some of the kids we've shared or kids I've seen on my own, and as you get a little bit more seasoned in doing this, you realize, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, you know, to me, if he's not screaming and crying, it's not a complete failure. You know, you have right. to hold. Now, when mm-hmm. they start to scream and cry, then I acknowledge, eh, maybe another time that's not working today. But if he's even remotely watching or absorbing what you're doing, then I'd say, oh, you've got a hook. You've got a little something. Keep at it. Keep at it. 
and it does get easier as you've done it longer because you know that this just may be a child who has to see it that many times to appreciate it. Right. You know, I just, these parents know, his parents know that he, this is not an easy child, that they do lots of things that he doesn't really appreciate. And you may have to tell them, you know, I know it looks like he's not terribly, and I know you said it failed with a different child, but regardless of the family, sometimes you kind of have to say, I'm looking for him to smile, to twinkle, to come to me, to at least turn his head and make eye contact, something. And sometimes they just have to see it a lot of times before you get that. So you kind of say, I know this doesn't look like it's a hit right now. I'm trying to build it into something more. I'm trying to get him on this. And if they know that you know it's not a complete success, sometimes it's a little easier to keep with it. You know, you kind of say, I know this isn't doesn't look like much, but... We're trying to build a routine here, and hopefully we'll get him as as he sees it more and more and more. Well, and the other thing that does, when a parent sees that it doesn't naturally work for you every time you try a new little game, they realize that that's okay and this kid is hard work, and then they don't feel as let down when the things that they try mm-hmm. with their kid doesn't work either and then they feel like that they okay well every time Brooke comes she has to do something six or seven times before he thinks it's funny or before he recognizes it or before he even really looks at her so I better do something that long before I give up and so it kind of builds that repetition and that practice in for them too yeah right because I do think a lot of parents sounds like these parents are great and that they really 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 try and a lot of times I have parents, you know, of kids who are delayed, and and I think they tried initially. A lot, of, you know, it seems like the yeah, better the yeah. parents, the more likely they are to say, "We haven't worked on that enough. I haven't done that enough." But the fact is, it is hard. It's not really natural when you do something with a child and they don't give you any response to keep at it. You know, it's we kind of even a child who doesn't communicate much at all does generally communicate they're not interested and it's it's very hard to stick with it when they're tuning you out or going the other direction and i will say this when they're going the other direction i pretty much follow their lead and think okay that really didn't but if they're still attending there's hope that he's going to come around and, and learn to appreciate that so crying and absolutely turning his head and moving on the other direction or I take that as uh maybe next time <laughs> didn't work and see what I might do is then try to run on the other side and get in front of him and try it again mm-hmm. but you do have to just kind of judge I mean not if he's crying or screaming but if he's a roamer anyway I don't know that I would even take him leaving as that it's a failed attempt because okay. it might just be yeah yeah, you may move so, on to anyway. his other side so that it's, you know, right. again, you're encouraging that engagement. And he may think that that's the fun part of the game. That's fine. You know, as right. long as he's getting some kick out of it, some connection that you're engaging him and mm-hmm. he's giving you something back, then it's not a total loss. Now, I did, did suggest to them about the pet. Um, I don't have that manual, but I, I suggested, um, I know Laura had mentioned that in the email. About I, are, are you, you know what, though? Okay, yeah. yeah, hearing, okay, but about hearing. Um, yeah. <laughs> am I saying that right? Yeah, you're saying yeah, it you right. Are. Yeah, it's the, 
Picture exchange communication system. Here you know, just hearing you talk about him today, Brooke, he's not ready. Uh, he's not ready for that at all. Okay. I don't all think right. so. I mean, I would hold off because he's not clapping or giving you really anything back yet. I would really work yeah. hard on getting some of those things first. Okay. And then maybe try pecs when you are ready for pecs. Use it with things that he likes, like that lycra swing, like the the straw cup. Oh, things he drinks that out of the straw. He loves to drink out of a straw. That's like he has to have a straw cup right beside him all the yeah. time. So. Yeah, and so those would be how I would start pecs with that, um, with those pictures, but. Um, he may not be there yet. He may not be developmentally ready. And some some therapists will start pecs too soon when they really should just still be working on establishing that social response and that connection and that his ability to want to stay with you and do something for more than 30 seconds. Um, okay. So I would prob- probably wait a little bit on that. What do you think about that, Kate? Would you start pecs with him yet? Well... I might on just those couple of things, but I mean, from what I, I'm no pecs expert, but from what I've recall, they say really the only prerequisite is they have to be able to hold something. You know, they've got to be able right. to grasp something. So technically, I guess he has the prerequisite skills. Do I think he's going to be a great candidate? No, probably not, because he he's too disconnected still. He's really not. You know, she's gotten him on a few things, but right. Sounds like he's pretty happy to be disconnected. Until he until he's not, it's gonna be a hard sell. I think it would be a hard sell and I think it might be mm-hmm. more it might frustrate him even more and you really want him um happier and more engaged uh when you're there rather than trying to kind of fight you on it. It sounds like to me that he might not understand that symbolic relationship yet, that the picture means that he's going to get the cup or that he's going to get the swing. And and just hearing you talk about him, I think he would be a kid that might stand there and look at the cup and cry and not even notice the picture is part of the routine. I would uh, think that, he wouldn't get the symbolic connection. I mean, I think right. the pecs people think you can teach that. And I suppose you can. I think um, over time. Over time, and they tend to do things in center, hours on hours on hours on end. It's going to take, let's say this, it's going to take a real commitment from the parents to get that to be any kind of a success because your one hour a week is, you know, it's going to be a long time before your one hour a week really can get that across effectively enough for him to use it in any way, shape, or form because he does have a long way to go. Right, his mom is using um, my baby teach or my baby can read or teach my baby to read whatever that is. My baby can read, I think, um, and she sees that he is. She thinks she's learning from it. I I haven't seen it yet. Hmm. She said that she felt like he was doing it and he loves it. And I think it's more of just he loves to watch TV. Um, yeah. It does have the cards with it. Um, do, do you guys have any success about that, or do you want to talk about that? Or <laughs> it's okay if you don't. <laughs> Here we are. That was something that I will she say had this. I have a little girl on my caseload right now who had been doing that prior to getting first step services, and uh-huh. um, you know, I really from the get go discouraged using it too much. 
because she was a kid who was really pretty darn disconnected too. I didn't really think she was probably on the spectrum, but she was a micro preemie, and she had lots of behaviors that that disengaged her from her parents and from therapists and from anybody. And one of them was watching that hours on end. And I I have to say she did learn some things from it. Um, She could read words, uh, you know, she'd read I and she'd point to her I. She'd read nose and she'd point to her nose. Um, My point with them was that's great, but this is a child who's really pretty disconnected and she needs to be engaged with you all and with us. And and as soon as they turned that TV off and quit watching that so much, and she also had a little mirror on the wall that, that I encouraged them to take down, which they did. She she She's an interesting child anyway, cute little thing, but just had some quirky things. And she would go to the mirror, like if you gave her a toy, it was really like she was more interested in seeing the reflection of whatever she had and not necessarily that she just wanted to go to her little mirror and kind of look at it in the mirror. And, you know, the first week, um, do you think we could take that mirror down? You know, <laughs> like, I don't really think that's so so typical there, which they, they've been great. They've, they've done that, and they have, I don't think they've eliminated that teach my baby to talk or whatever the term is. But, no, um, it's read. Read, it's read. read. You're right. And that's, and, and that's right. my Sorry. problem. Well, and that's my problem with that mm-hmm. is people think, okay, we're going to teach a two-year-old who doesn't attend, who doesn't understand language, who isn't social. We're going to teach him to read. Right. How crazy yeah. is that? Right. Yeah. You know, and she it's did just, have some funky splinter skills that did indicate right. she could read this handful of words that she had learned from the DVD, Teach Me to Read. Um, but did my it other make a difference in her did it make a difference in her daily life? Could she communicate those I, I things? I think it no. made it worse because she was right. so disconnected from her daily life that she was watching that DVD a lot. And they were well-intentioned parents who thought this was a good um, learning thing for her to do, and yet she really didn't engage with them very much at all and certainly didn't engage with the therapist. And when they cut that off, guess what? She came around, and she's made lots of nice progress now, but... The other thing is, my objection to it is, I think it just really panders to the kids who are on the spectrum, who love, who are hyperlexic, and they love letters, and they love colors, and they love numbers, and it just, you know, again, Laura, you're, you know, to me, as a parent and as a therapist, if I had a two-year-old who was delayed, I think the last, cons- well, maybe, I don't know, but as a therapist anyway, I would not be concerned about them reading. I'd be concerned about them being happy to see mommy when I walked in the room. I'd be concerned about them coming to me and somehow sharing with me they wanted another cup of juice. Or mm-hmm. And when they don't have all those basic social connected things, teach them to read, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. For a typically developing four- or five-year-old, perhaps. For a delayed two-year-old, I don't think it's appropriate is my answer. Okay. That's my I, I thought that, but I just wanted to <laughs> hear your opinion, I guess. You know, kids that are on the spectrum, too, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics doesn't think that any child under two um, needs to watch any TV and only limited exposure after that. And Dr. Greenspan, you know, the autism guru, says 
children that are at risk to be on the autism spectrum need absolutely no TV time, nothing, nada, none of those video modeling DVDs, no baby Bumblebee, no baby Einstein, no baby anything. And that's what I try to kind of hold the line on with parents and say because those activities are not social, and even if mom is standing there holding the flashcard, it's still not a social activity. And so I do, again, I'm not one to say, okay, I'm going to unplug your TV and card it out with me at the end of the hour today so that you'll stop watching this. But so many kids that I've seen have made pretty dramatic improvements just by unplugging the TV. Right. And they're... They become more connected. They become more interested in other people. They become more interested in toys. They become more interested in being alive and being with people when the darn TV is off. So I would do everything in your power to discourage that um, without making, you know, without offending them or or, because, you know, they want the best for him. And I do think that people are looking for solutions and they see a baby, a baby baby on that darn commercial for that reading, and they go, oh, my gosh, she's so smart. Why don't we try that? You know, they're just looking for anything. And so you can't at this, you know, really judge them because, like Kate said, they just want the best. But at the same time, you have to say there's a different way to do it, and here's the reason why. Okay. Okay. So I would have some conversations about that if you can – force yourself to do it. We are almost out of time, Brooke. Is You're there kidding. anything that, that we didn't? Bad. I know. That's <laughs> You might have to be a two-part caller, Brooke. We might yeah, have I, to say, I want to I ask like this, Brooke. You kind of talked about this, but I just want to know. You said he'll now sometimes put the balls back in that ball popper toy. Is there any other functional play stuff that this little guy does? Um... He he does have one of the I don't even know kind of a bead toy that is like a little I call it a roller coaster toy. It has the the wires that go up and down there in doctors and dentist offices. Yeah. Oh, you know what I I'm hate talking those. about. Yeah. Hate those. Well, he has one closet. of those, and he he play, he likes to sit in his swing and push that little choo choo up and down and around, and it actually has a spinner on the bottom of it, and he pushes the button and it makes it spin. Um, You know, and that's self-stimulatory. You know, that's self-stimulatory, and that's what I would say to the parents is even though this kind of looks like more toward play, the reason that I don't really love this toy for him is because he gets a little emotional buzz from that, for lack of a better word, and he just wants to do that and ignores everything else in his environment. And because those kinds of behaviors are so associated with autism, we don't really want to encourage him to spend lots of time in that kind of play. And I would say it just that way. There there are toys all over his house. You know, I mean, they've totally tried to find things educational and developmentally appropriate Um, Yeah, but you know, for a lot of kids, Brooke, until those things, and again, this is something that I guess, you know, as we get older, we get a bit bolder, and it gets a little bit easier. You sound nice and young and sweet, and it can be hard, but I think Laura's point about saying this encourages these more autistic-like behaviors, and we want to discourage those. I've had tons of kids, and anymore, I I say these things in the first session, really, I do. I just kind of look around, I see what he's stimming on, for lack of a better word, and I say, okay, we're going to give this, I think we should give this one a break and this one a break. 
let's just put those away for now. Because here's the problem. Even if he had the capability to do more, as long as he can push that button and spin that thing, that's what he's going to do. And I tell parents that about what I call, and Laura, I think you do too, bells and whistles toys. Lots of kids who have some spectrumy tendencies get very locked into pushing the button. And, you know, it can be Mm -hmm. a VTech toy with ABCs, and parents think that's great, that's educational. He's learning his ABCs. And really all he's doing is stimming on the lights and the sounds when he pushes a letter. He couldn't really care less. And even if he did care it was a B, that doesn't get him much in his real world. You know, he knows what the letter B is. Okay, he can't do anything else, you know. So when you just say those toys are discouraging more typical uh, behavior and engagement with you, can we just give those a break? Let's put them at the top of the closet on the shelf where he can't get them. Because a lot of times when you do that, it is amazing. Kids will start to show some interest in things that before, as long as they knew they had their go-to easy, stimmy toy, forget it. They're just going to go to what they know and what's easy and what gives them that little bump, you know, the stimmy visual woohoo thing that kids get from those toys. So have you – do they – are those things I, still... I have given them a list of, out of the book of, you know, suggested toys. And um, every week I try to stress, you know, that <laughs> about the book or about this website. And I kind of put a little tagline in there, whatever you call it, that um, they, I think they're just kind of still shocked about everything, about him right. you know, being diagnosed sensory processing, and they're trying to, figure out what to do for that right now. Um, well, does he have an OT? He, he doesn't yet. The, the, because of the um, the short the, the agency changeover and all that, um, there are no OTs right now. So, wow. okay, so anybody in the state of Indiana but... listening, you're hurting for therapists because of your new <laughs> system, just so you there know. There are no OTs available in, his, in this area, oh. I know. And actually, they're, they're on the list, and it's going to be April, I think, before he gets an OT. But, um, well, any OT worth their salt would be encouraging those parents to get those out, to put them away, because, they, you know, yeah. that's just the way it works. And I think that's human nature. We do what's comfortable, what's easy, and sometimes it takes that little bit of discomfort to encourage us to go beyond what's easy, and certainly kids who have spectrumy tendencies fall into that category, and that's what he's going to do. So maybe, Brooke, you need to say, oh, I see that bead toy is still there. Um, is, you know, are we going to be putting that up this week? Because I really think that could help Noah. I mean, you just kind of got to stay on them as nicely as possible, but remember, you know, remind them that you still see that toy right there where he has access to it. Because mm-hmm. once they see, and and I could almost guarantee you that they will see improvement if they really get rid of those go-to things. And every kid on the spectrum, or with those tendencies anyway, has a handful of go-to things. And they may have a whole room full of other toys, but they don't go to them because they're they're not giving them that quick feedback, that easy, buzzy thing that they like. And if they can get to it, that's what they go to. I mean, I've had scads of parents who say, all of a sudden he likes his puzzle. All of a sudden he likes that, that car toy. All of, you know, now he'll do this. And it's like, yeah, because you you limited his other options and he'll do it because he took the time and showed, you know, or you worked with him enough 
to get him to realize he could do it. You know, he at this point he doesn't really realize what he can do. Until he has to kind of be shown and, you know, right. proven to him, he's probably not going to. I think that's a great idea. But, boy, is it hard to have those conversations with parents. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully you can talk to them about that, yeah, and kind of lead them in that way. And you might just start it with, listen, I've really been thinking about Noah, and I've gotten some new ideas, and this, these are the things that I want us to really focus on. And, and start it kind of from there, if you can make right. yourself I think do they're, it. They're, they're, they're very willing, you know, um, always yeah. looking for something they can do. So I, I don't think they would have yeah. a hard time with that. That's good. That's good. Well, we have loved you calling this week, Brooke, and if you want to take Kate up on her offer to be a two-part show, we would love to have you call us back next <laughs> week and kind of let us know how it went. Okay. And we can finish up because I think that we – there were some other ideas in the original email that I uh, that we didn't even get to talk about, and we can talk about that too and how those kinds of things have gone because this isn't just for you. This is for everyone else listening, all the other therapists or parents who might have a kid a lot like Noah. And so they're going to listen for our ideas and for our suggestions and be able to use that information too. So we would absolutely, you know, and and – we fortunately have listeners around the world, not just here in our own little section of the United States. So we want to be sure that we're exploring lots of different opportunities. So even if you don't call us back next Sunday, Kate and I are going to keep on with this topic because I think there's several other things that, that we can talk about and some other ideas that, that we'd love to give you for him. But thank you so much for calling tonight. We love it. And I want you to email me your address so that I can send you a DVD to thank you for your time and thank you for um, okay, sharing. <laughs> And you tell me which DVD you want, and I will send that to you. And so just so, send me so your one. The one that you suggest, no, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll let you know. Thank you okay. so much. I've enjoyed Thank it. you for calling, Brooke, and good luck. Days. Know that we would all be scratching our heads and trying to figure yeah. out the next best thing for Noah because okay. some kids well, are harder than others. <laughs> Okay, thank you yeah, guys. And, and okay. I would I would yeah, I would be calling Kate on the phone to say, Okay, he did this today and help me think of five other things that are just like this that I can do for next week and vice versa. And so, you know, again, that's how we plan therapy activities and that's what we think of and I'm sure after we hang up, Kate and I are gonna think of, Oh, I wish I'd said this, oh I wish I'd said that so that's why we'll continue okay, the show next right. week. And too. it it is hard, you know, being a therapist because I don't have a lot of resources to go to here. And so, to have to, you know, just to go to the conference is a great thing. And then to just be able to have the email on the website, too, is just an awesome resource to have as a therapist. So, I'm Aww, so thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, I'll call back next week. Oh, Perfect. cool. All right. Thanks. Well, we'll that wraps. Ready. That wraps it up for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Join us back here next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Have a great week. You too, Laura. Bye. Bye.